Father, we want to lift up the name of Jesus this morning. Thank you that you are in the midst of your people to direct us and guide us into the things that you have prepared for us. That our hearts would be open this morning, I ask, that your intervention would be there to remove any infiltration of the enemy, to steal your word. And Lord, we thank you that it will fall upon good soil. I declare this ground to be good soil this morning. And I thank you for the spirits of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. I loose it this morning in this place that every heart might receive what is of you and they might be changed, healed, delivered, set free, and saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have just uh, rented an apartment in Wentworthville, Sydney, and I was going to the place to have a look at it before I occupied it, and I put my key into the door, the security door that was there, and the inside internal door opened, and there was a blonde lady standing inside. I got the shock of my life, and I said, hello, what's going on over here? Uh, and she said, no, 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 don't be afraid. Um, I used to be the previous tenant, and I've just come to make sure everything is speaking Spanish. And I, and I thought about it later, and I, and I looked back into the yard, and there was no car, there was nothing there. So I thought, this is rather strange, that a person who has been a previous tenant could be given the keys to come back and look at the apartment when the apartment has already been rented. And there was, there was not a thing out of place there. Everything was spot on, clean. There was no furniture, nothing, absolutely. Everything was clean. So what was she doing there and why was she there? I don't know, but I soon found out that uh, this place, this, this unit, had become a portal for the presence of the Lord. So today I want to talk to you about coming into His presence. We sang about it today, and you know, we need to know about what it means to come into the presence of the Lord. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2. We're going to look at a couple of verses or more. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 to 13. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which, in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Here Paul is giving us an insight into the realm, the spiritual realm of God. It's not the earthly realm. It's not the dark realm of the devil. But it's the heavenly realm of God. And he's offering this information and insight through the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God is revealing the will of God and what it is that's going on in heavenly places that we cannot see except the Spirit of the Lord reveals it to us and we cannot know unless He speaks it to us. You can read the Bible all day long and get nowhere till the Holy Spirit touches it and then everything changes. So in order for any one of us to fulfill our destiny, you and I must have the presence of God with us and in us. Amen? Amen. Now, the question, of course, the obvious question is, how does that work? And why does that work? And when does that work? 
And is it working? Do I actually have the presence of the Lord with me and in me? So the first thing we got to know is what the Holy Spirit reveals. And when the Holy Spirit reveals, we need to receive. Amen? If you receive it, then you will be transformed and you will be changed into the image that the Holy Spirit is trying to change you to, which is the image of Christ. So, the first point I want to make this morning is His Word in us. His Word in us is His presence. His Word in us is His presence. Now, we know that Jesus is the Word. And you have, and I have received the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. But what is happening to Christians is that once they have received Christ, they seem to fade away from the relationship with Christ through the Word. And then he becomes a distant person, someone hard to meet and to understand and to know because we have distanced ourselves after that initial manifestation and encounter with God we have distanced ourselves through the word for example you don't read your Bible anymore or if you do you read it for five minutes or in a hurry that's one major issue the other is we never receive what the preacher and the speaker, whoever they may be, including the donkey, we don't receive the word. Okay, so the word cannot get in because our assumptions are, I have a mantle, I'm a Christian, I'm a son of God, I'm an heir to the throne of God. So why do I need further information and instruction and guidance? It's an argument that often comes up. Don't tell me what to do. I already know. The moment they say, I already know, I know we are dealing with the spirit of prayer. Straight away, I know that. I am dealing with the spirit of prayer. Now I've got to get past that. Because the assumption is, in that person, that Christ lives in them. I have a big question mark about that. Because if Christ lived in you, then you would have His Word. And His Word would live in you. And His Word would be preeminent in your life to discover who God is. And then release God through your character and through your speech. You know, many Christians use bad words after they become Christians. And they say, Christ is in me. Christ doesn't use bad words. Right? So how can it be Christ? It must be somebody else in you who's using those bad words. So, I want to know you through the word. I don't want to know you, know you through the flesh. Because I already know you through the flesh. And you already know me through the flesh. Henceforth, we do not know Christ after the flesh. We know him after the spirit. So now the spirit is speaking. And the Spirit is giving us a word, and that word brings us life, and that is Spirit and life, and it is changing us into what God wants us to be changed into. It is bringing a solution, it is bringing an assurance in 1 Thessalonians 1.5. Paul says, I did not come to you in word only, or in the Holy Ghost, or in the demonstration of power, but I come to you with much assurance. Hey, we need much assurance. Why do we pray? What? I'm going to India and other countries along with my family and Chris and we're praying that God would go before us and prepare the way and do the thing. I need assurance. Right? Yeah, I have Christ in me, but I don't have assurance. So I'm working towards getting assurance. I'm not just going, uh, I think I'm a big shot, I, I can, I've got the anointing, I'm going to go and I'm going to preach and people are going to get healed and with First, assurance that this is from God 
This is of God. He has ordained it and he has instructed me to go on this journey. Because it's not only the journey, but it's what you leave behind. Amen? It's what you leave behind. To go on the journey. So both matter. So I'm talking about, you know, the manifest presence of his understanding, which manifests itself in his word inside of you, which we know as Rima. Which is the revelatory word of God. You can have this Bible, it will not save you. People in the world have Bibles, it doesn't save them. It has to be touched by the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead will quicken your mortal bodies. So we're not comparing spiritual things with natural things, we're comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Get out of your body and into the Spirit because you are a spirit being. Then you can begin to see and know and understand what God is offering us from the realm of the Spirit. Ephesians uh, 3.20 says he's able to do far more exceedingly abundantly than you can ever hope to ask. And here's the other one. Or think. Man has not seen, nor heard, nor has understood the things that have and God has put in his heart. He doesn't understand it. But it's been revealed by the Spirit. So you haven't even imagined what God has prepared for you because it's in the spirit realm. What was that woman doing in my apartment when I had taken lease and control of the apartment? The place was empty. What was that woman doing? God had prepared that place through that woman or through somebody else. I don't know who she was, whether she was an angel or a physical person. But I can tell you what, I started having supernatural encounters in that apartment like I've never had before in my life. And I was released into the ministry from there. I saw miracle signs and wonders, the presence of Jesus and the physical presence of Jesus in that house. I stayed in that place, I don't know, maybe two years or whatever. But it changed my entire life. I've become a spirit being in that place, though I was saved. Yes, I was saved, but I've just gone through a divorce. I've gone through all sorts of problems and difficulties in my life. And now I was alone in this apartment. But I was not alone because there was someone else living in that apartment. And his name is Jesus. Amen. Now, I, I, I needed to accept that deep was talking to deep. That spirit was talking to spirit. I had no point of reference other than the word of God. My friends, that's what Rima does, is your point of reference. Nobody will believe you, nobody will understand you when he says, Abraham, leave your family and go out into the wilderness. And he says, well, what, man? What are you doing? Are you crazy? If God has promised you the nations of the world, and you know, he's going to bring, ah, you know, your wife is barren. And you're, you're impotent. What, what, what are you talking about? You're 75 years of age. <coughs> what, what are you waiting for? You're waiting for a physical manifestation to take place before you will believe the Rima word that is in your spirit. But it doesn't become Rima till the Holy Spirit touches it. It's just a word. It's a dormant, the seed will lay alone inside of you and will not produce till it dies. It will not produce, no matter what you do. It will never produce anything. It's still a word. It's the word of God, but it won't produce. Because it's gone to the wayside, or it's gone to the hard ground, or it's gone to the stony ground, not the good soil. Because it's not alive in those places, in those three places, it's not alive. We receive half-truths and we employ half-truths in our relationship with God and expect things to happen. It's not going to happen. Like one preacher said, how many times have you called upon the name of Jesus and has it worked for you? <laughs> Simple question. How many times have you called on the name of Jesus and has it worked for you? So if you actually Jot down every time you call, down, call on the name of Jesus 
and he did not reply, you'll find that it far outweighs the times he did answer. And you've got to ask yourself why. If you're a realist, you will ask yourself why. If I know my Christ, and I'm the child of the Most High God, and I'm walking with Him, and I'm seated with Him in heavenly places, why am I not hearing? Why isn't my life any better? One could be a trial that God has brought into your life and He's giving you a wilderness experience. But most likely, most of the time, it'll be you or the devil. Because you don't spend time in the Word. I've met countless thousands of Christians, so-called, who have met Christ at some stage in their life, and they're far, 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 far away. A man went to Saudi Arabia. He was looking for a church. He went to the marketplace. He was just standing around looking at something, and somebody spoke from behind him and said, Are you looking for a church? And he said, yes, he turned around, there's a white man there. So he said, come this evening uh, to a certain place and I'll take you to church. In Saudi Arabia, you're not allowed to preach the gospel, nor you're allowed to have a church, nor you're allowed to have a Bible. If you go into Saudi Arabia with your Bible, they'll take it and throw it in the bin. If you go there with your rosary, they'll throw it in the bin. So he goes to the evening service and he meets Jesus. Now he's a good church over <laughs> back in India. But he meets Jesus for the first time in his life. And then when he's in his room praying one day, the Holy Ghost comes and puts his hand up this man's spine and he begins to speak in tongues, in other tongues, and he has an encounter, a powerful encounter with God. So he goes back to this white man and he says, this is what happened. He said, that you just got baptized in the Holy Spirit. A spiritual encounter. So he gets trained in the church and then they offer him the pulpit. He goes to the pulpit and people start manifesting everywhere. Demons and all sorts of things happen, miracles, signs and wonders, because now the anointing is so strong on this boy. He goes for a few years, he gets lonely, he's single, he says to God, I want to marry, he doesn't get an answer. He finds a woman and he marries her. But she's a nominal Christian. She's not into Jesus like he is. In a couple of years, she realizes this guy is just Jesus 24-7. And she's saying, hey, what's the use of making all that money in Saudi Arabia? And I can't go to the discotheque, I can't do this, I can't do that. You know, and what's the point of it all? So she says, I'm out of here. After she produced the child. Uh, sorry, she didn't produce the child. She left. This guy got broken. Absolutely destroyed. Now this is the same guy who was smuggling Bibles in Saudi Arabia and God blinded the guards that they could not see the Bibles that were struck a block in his boot. This is the same guy that demons manifested when he walked into the room. This is the same guy who anointing he could heal you left, right, and center. This is the same guy who knew the word of God. But today, he was a destroyed soul that he had been taken out, he had been wiped out. Why? Because somewhere along the way, he had lost his relationship with God in understanding the word, in understanding the journey, in understanding the ways of the Lord. That's why the Holy Spirit has been given to us. So that he can make the word alive in us. Not only make it real, but make it solid foundation that no matter if the storms come, the floods come, the devil comes, the crows come, no matter what comes, it cannot get you off the foundation that is Christ. He may diminish you in some way, but you will never be off the foundation. Never. Even if you're just hanging there by a thread. So the word invites the presence of God. And the moment the presence of God comes in through His Word, because He only operates through His Word, it becomes life 
to the body, to the soul, and to the spirit. All three get affected by the world. Something happens inside of us that changes us. A lady in our church, she was, when I met her, she was 80 years old, and when she met the Lord, she was 19. But she was a rough and ready woman. <clears throat> Very spiritual, but rough and ready. So she used to hurt a lot of people in the church. But one day, the Holy Ghost got a hold of her and hit her. And that was it. The woman went from being an antagonist to becoming a lover of souls. They said, what happened to you? How did you change like that? How could, how, 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 this, is, this is not the same person. And she never changed after that. And she was 62 years in the one church. And she used to work with the prostitutes in King's Cross because she lived there. And she was my intercessor. She was my one who, who supported me in the church while I was there. And praying for me. And they had encounters after encounters after encounters. Because she took the word. She took the encounter. And she said, okay, this is it. This is for me. And this is who I need to be. Not who I am. You know, I, I see some of the videos on YouTube and they they like to confess. Say, I am not who uh, the world says I am. I'm not who the devil says I am. I'm not this that I say I am. And all this can be on about who I'm not. I am who God says I am. <laughs> and I was watching this for a little while and I said, hang on a second here, there's something wrong. That's not, a, that's a negative confession. Because you're not telling the truth. First of all, you've got to accept who you are. Who are you really? Are you a liar? Are you a thief? Are you got a bad mouth? Are you got a bad temper? Do you fornicate? Do you smoke, drink, and lust after other things? You know, what do you do? In the secret of your home, do you watch pornography? What do you do? Do you sit in despair and depression and worry about your life and the future? What do you do? Because God's asking the question. He said, hey, then who am I? If, if, am I not God in your life? Can I not solve your situation in your life? Can I not give you the joy in your life and the peace in your life? Cannot, can I not be the answer in your life? Haven't I sent you my word to heal your diseases? Haven't I sent you my word to die on the cross for you? Haven't I sent my... And God's asking the question. And that's the first point. Is that if you want the presence of God in your life, He sent His presence through His Son, who is the Word, and the Word is now Rima through the Spirit of God living in us. Every time you seek God, you must seek Him for a Rima because it brings Spirit of life. Yes, you have to read the Logos. You have to spend hours reading the Logos. But when you spend time reading the Logos, you begin to understand the written word. You begin to understand the implications of it and the applications of it. And then it becomes Rima because when you use it, it goes like fire and like thunder and like a hammer and destroys your enemy. Amen? That's the power of the word living in you. That is the presence of God. How did God create the world? He created by His Word. When you speak to someone, how do you comfort them? By a Word. How do you speak to their soul? By the Word. How do you tell them what is good and what is bad? By the Word. So that Word must be in you that is coming from God because it might not have the same opinion as you have about a person. So you must understand. What is God saying to you about this person? You're not comparing flesh and flesh. You're comparing spirit and spirit. You're speaking into the spirit of a person. You're getting that person free through speaking into their spirit, the things of God. The second thing that you need to understand is the presence of Jesus in our lives is through His grace. The first was the presence of God in your life through his word who is Jesus so God himself comes and lives in you 
Jesus said to Philip, if you keep my commandments, I and my Father will come and live in you. What are his commandments? His words. So God lives in us through his word. Then Jesus, the Son of God, comes to this earth and he begins to live in us through his grace. You say, how does that happen? When his grace operates in our lives, his word can have its way. What do you mean by that? Apostle Paul went to Jesus on his journeys. He was having a problem with the thorn in the flesh. You don't exactly know what it was. But it was serious enough for Apostle Paul to go to Jesus and say, can you remove this thorn from me? And he said, I besought Jesus three times. It was serious enough for him to do that. And Jesus' answer to him was, my grace is sufficient for you. So now life in Apostle Paul was operating through that word, which carried with it the grace of Jesus Christ. Yes, you are under attack of the enemy. Yes, you are depleted in your resources. Yes, you have all sorts of enemies against you. But my grace is carrying you through. That's the word. That's the word. He said, God, why haven't you got me out of this situation? Because my grace is operating it. That's his presence. You're looking for his presence, but his grace is his presence. The fact that you are alive, the fact that you are able to do something is his presence. Nothing more, nothing less. You're not doing anything by your ability. I have known times in my life when people have come to hurt me, kill me, destroy me in some way or another, but I didn't even know about it. Because his grace was carrying me through that situation. I didn't know about it. Why are we still alive? Because his grace is carrying us through the situation so that we can be an effective person for him upon this earth. Cast your mind back on the situations you've gone through in life and see how you got through it. It was his grace. Maybe somebody came along and said something to you or gave you something that you needed or whatever it was, but just enough to get you through. Just enough to get you through. And it was grace letting you live and speak and do the things through the word <coughs> that came. Sitting in the presence of the Lord, crying your heart out and saying, God, where are you? Why don't you solve my problem? Why don't you get this? And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. But it's very hard to receive that word. Because we want a solution. We want an immediate solution. We want no sorrow. We don't want any difficulty. We don't want problems. We don't want people to talk about us. But God is saying, my grace will carry you through. He said, no, I can't receive that, Lord. I need a solution. He says, no, my solution is my grace. He said, I'm comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. And you're trying to get me to give you something natural. And I'm giving you something spiritual. And he said, how do, how do I equate that in my daily life? Start eating his word. Start eating his word. It'll become rima. It'll become life source. I can sit for days in a room waiting on the Lord for a word. But once that word comes, I take off. Once that word comes and it's confirmed to me, that's it. End of story. I'm off. The devil's defeated. My flesh is defeated. It doesn't matter. Early in the morning, sitting in the bed, waiting for days and years, praying, saying, God, use me, use me, use me. Didn't understand when he did call me. And, and, and I made a mistake. I nearly went bankrupt. All sorts of things happened. Grace got me through that situation. And morning, I'm sitting in the bed and praying at 7 o'clock, 7.30 in the morning. And God says to me, give up your business and go into the world and preach the gospel. A cloud of darkness comes over me and covers me because I said yes. Fourteen years I traveled the world preaching the gospel. 
living out of a suitcase, as I've told you. How do you do that? People used to ask me, how do you do that? I said, I don't know. All I know is that my point of reference was the encounter and the word. That's all my point of reference is. You look in the bank account, there's no money. You look at opportunities, there's no opportunity. You look everywhere, doors are closed. There's nothing. And then suddenly out of nowhere, something will open up. And the light will shine through a little crack there. And you say, okay, there's a light shining there. Let me go through that. 14 years of wilderness. My grace is sufficient for you. Maybe you're going through something right now. And you're not able to handle it. But there's a light shining in the darkness. And the darkness does not understand it. How are you able to stand when you have come under the deluge of such attacks against you? How are you able to stand? And all you've got to say is, my grace, the Lord's grace is sufficient for me. The presence of the Lord. Right? And then the third thing is the presence of the Spirit. Now we've looked at God's presence. We've looked at Jesus' presence. And now we're looking at the Spirit's presence. The Spirit, the presence of the Spirit in us is His power in us. Hallelujah. He said, go and wait in Jerusalem. I will send you power from on high. So the Holy Ghost comes on the day of Pentecost, fills all the disciples, and now the presence is with them permanently. In them. He doesn't come and go like in the Old Testament. He's now living permanently in them because they have made a room for him to come. They have waited upon the Lord. The Lord has come, filled them with the Spirit, and then they are off doing what they have to do. And yes, they face persecution, they have problems, but they went and they operated in power. And God released them into that kind of thing. He says in Hebrews that the word followed, the, the, the miracle signs and wonders followed the word. Right? So when I go to preach the word, I'm expecting miracle signs and wonders to follow. Why? Because I've absorbed that word and said, God, you said that, so therefore I expect it, and then I, by faith I release it, and it works. So now I develop my training to believe more of this word in more of my operation. So Paul came and said, I don't come and talk to you only in word. I talk to you uh, through word and demonstration of power. So who's the power? The Holy Spirit is the power. He's not the... Apostle Paul is not the power. The Holy Spirit is the power. Right? So now he says, I've come to you like, hey, hang on, I brought my big brother with me. <laughs> right? So did you come alone? No, I didn't come alone. I brought my big brother with me. He's with me. Immediately people pay attention because they know when the anointing is on you, they know it. They cannot get into the periphery of the presence of the Holy Spirit because the anointing is upon you. And then the power of God begins to work. So Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because thou hast ordained me, anointed me. Right? So if God has done that and has given him the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is looking for people who are anointed. Anointed is being set apart, smeared, set apart for the kingdom of God. But no power. Power cannot come till the Holy Spirit comes. Amen. I say, God, I'm anointed, but I don't have power. So today's church has got the form of godliness, but no power. Absolutely no power. They cannot help anybody. They'll let you die, or they'll let you fall into sickness, or disease, or poverty, or despair. This church doesn't allow that to happen. It does its utmost to get you out of trouble, to help you. Tomorrow morning, there's a lady who's going to come here. She's going to be getting help. Because she contacted me. She said, I need help. I said, come. We'll help. Through the Holy Ghost. But they've come. They've got the help. They've left. They've gone all over the place. 
top 90 to the dozen, you know, everything else, but they received their healing or their deliverance or whatever it was, and they've gone away, you know, people ungrateful and unthankful to the Lord. Like the 10 lepers, only one came back and said, thank you, right? And you've got to wonder why they're walking away from the presence of the Lord. And they always blame it on the flesh. They always blame it on the flesh. Now Jesus was needed the Holy Spirit. So God gave him the Holy Spirit. So here he is walking on the water one day. The disciples are in a raging storm. And they can't understand what's going on because they can see Jesus walking on the water and no storm affecting him. So Peter is a very experienced fisherman. He begins to realize there is no storm where Jesus is. You don't need to be an experienced rocket scientist to work that out. And that's what God is trying to tell us all along. But you know what we're doing? We're depending on our experience. We are depending on our abilities to get through the storm. So Peter realizes something. Jesus is in his own atmosphere. God is not created. He is not self-created. He is. He is. And he who believes that he is must come by faith. So Peter says, Lord, bid me come. I want to come out. So he says, come. But, but what Peter is doing is he has not yet gone into the presence of Jesus. He has stepped into the storm. Remember what I told you a few Sundays ago? Don't run away from the storm. Run into the storm. Because you know Jesus is there in the storm. So he got out of the boat. But he didn't make it very far because his faith was very little. And Jesus asked him, why did you doubt? See, doubt is a big problem for us. Why did we doubt? Because we have not understood that coming into the presence of the Lord requires you to go all the way. No matter what the circumstances are that surround you. And that is related to receiving the word. That is related to walking in his grace. Till such time he's able to deliver you. So won't he deliver me earlier? Well... He probably didn't want to. Till you were depleted. Till you had lost everything. Peter was sinking. He was going to die. All his years of experience, nothing was going to save him. He was going down into that water. He was going to die. Till everything leaves you. That you are so proud about. That you have achieved in life. Or who you think you are. Jesus will let you sink. And at the last minute he will save you. When you realize, hang on, I can't do this. I need Jesus. I can't do this. It's a simple equation. It's a, it's a paradigm shift. It's just a simple mindset change. That's all it is. But it's so difficult to do. It's so difficult to do. God chased me for years and years and years to receive his salvation, but I always ran away from it because it was so difficult for me to leave the world and come to God. I wanted the world. And Christians who have come into becoming Christians have gone into slackness because they still love the world. They haven't left it behind. They're dragging the world into the church, into their Christianity. And they're saying, God, I want to have both. Give me both. And he says, you can't have both. It's either me or the world. Choose. And so what do we do? We bring it into our worship. We bring it into our preaching. We bring it into the church. We bring it into our activities. And so now today the church is filled with fornication. Stealing, lying, cheating. All sorts of rubbish is going on in the body of Christ. So where's the presence? There's no presence. The presence is left. Right? Foursquare in, in Newtown, Sydney used to be revival. 
standing room only for 15, 20 years. Then they split over some issue of doctrine and the apostolics went down the road and a guy took a wreath and he walked up to the foyer of the Four Square Church in Newtown and he threw the wreath in the foyer and he said, Ichabod, the glory of the Lord has departed. Bang, that place went down overnight. When I went to become the pastor of the church, it had five people in it. You could see 250 people. Ichabod, the glory of the Lord has departed. Samson, filled with the Spirit, could do a wonderful miracle signs and wonders. When it did what he should not have done, which was to tell his secret to this woman, she cut his hair. They came to catch him and he got up out of his bed to go out like other times. And the Bible, one of the saddest verses in the Bible says, and he did not know that the Spirit of the Lord was not with him. Ichabod, the glory of the Lord has departed. Why do you think we fight so hard for righteousness and holiness in this church? Why do you think we fight so hard for it? I don't want the presence of the Lord to leave. I want the presence of the Lord to be here and increase and touch lives that we don't have to touch, that He will touch because He understands the need. The soul, Southwest area, needs the presence of the Lord. We have to make sure it comes. God is not self created, He is. So everything else is outside of Him. Amen? So we must go into His presence. We must go into His presence to understand Him, to know Him, and to walk with Him. So what must we do? We must seek to change our atmosphere by the presence of the Lord. Change it. So how, how do you change uh, you know, sin in the church? How Deal with it. How they leave the church. Goodbye. <laughs> It's better sin than you leave than the presence of the Lord leave. Oh, but you'll only left, be left with five people. That's fine. No issues. The presence of the Lord is here, my friend. I two or three are gathered in His name. There He is in the midst of them. No issues. Because I've overcome all the fears and the doubts and the, and, and the, the reputation trying to keep that going and it's the word of God. Son, there's someone in the church with sin. Can you please fix it? Say, sure, Lord. Say, yes. You get a phone call from me. Can I come and see you? What is it about, Pastor? I'll tell you when I see you. Why? Because the instruction has come. From heaven, he's unhappy about someone in the church who's living in sin. He wants to fix it so that he can come. He can be a part of what is going on in this place. Because we are his people. He wants to indulge in his people. He wants to love on us. He wants to bless us. He wants to increase us. He wants to make us better than what we are. And we, we don't understand that. So we have to create an atmosphere for him to come. Worship does that. Psalm 100 verse 2. Run into the tower that is Jesus Christ when we need protection. That's coming into his presence. You know, when the devil starts to attack, what do I do? I go to Jesus. And I stand in Jesus. And Jesus surrounds me like a strong tower. And the devil's attacking me. Everything about me, mind, soul, and body is attacked. But I'm in Jesus, and he can't get through. His arrows hit the shield and fall to the ground. One of the best ways to defeat the devil is to receive the God of peace in your mind and in your heart. He can get past your faith, he can get past your righteousness, he can get past the sword, he can get past all those things, but he can't get past peace. God taught me that, Romans 16, 20. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. The peace of God that passeth all 
understanding. I said, receive the word. I said, receive the word. I said, receive the word. When you receive the word, it becomes solid rima in you. It is foundation. The devil cannot shake it. He cannot take it. He might do all sorts of things. He may cause a storm to rise. He may cause you to sink. But you will not die. You will live and you will declare the glory of the Lord. Because peace is reigning supremely over your mind and over your heart. I run into the high tower and the strong tower. Exodus 25, 22, Jesus says to, God says to Moses, build the tabernacle I want. And I will come and I will meet you there. How many of us have gone into the tabernacle of God to meet? Into his presence. We're praying at him. We're shouting at him. We're worshipping at him. But we haven't gone into his presence. It takes effort. Everything that had to be perfect in the temple, the design and the craftsmanship was downloaded into people so that they could make it exactly like how God wanted. So you want to go into the presence of the Lord, you have to go in exactly like how he wants it. People have reduced the word of God down to something like, you know, buddy, pal, it's easy, we'll just walk in, he's my friend, you know, no worries, Mike. I'll tell you what, you walk into the presence of the Lord, you'll hit the ground first, flat on your face. And deep repentance will begin in your spirit because you will recognize your sin. Like Isaiah went into the presence of the Lord in Isaiah 6 and he said, oh, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. But he's the prophet of the nation. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about what he saw in the presence of the Lord about himself. Ah, no, no, no. Don't treat God like, like a buddy pal, you know. She'll be right, man. Won't happen. You'll hit the deck. The other thing that God wants before you enter into his presence in Hebrews 10.22. Let's have a quick read of that. Hebrews 10.22. Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse your conscience. Right? So I've got this double, I've got this parallel mind. Right? One is my thoughts, the other is my conscience. So my thoughts affect my conscience. Because it's my thoughts that the devil attacks to say you're defiled. You cannot go into the presence of the Lord. You're a defiled Christian. You remember that sin you did 25 years ago? It's still there. God has not forgiven you of it. And your mind receives it and you say, Oh, it must be true because I'm going through some difficulty now. And your mind is on that. But your conscience says something different because it was cleansed in the blood of the Lamb. I said, no, Lord. This fellow is a lion. I'm coming into your presence. And you can do what you want with me. You can destroy me. You can make me as a nothing that I never existed. You know what Jesus said? He said, you will not allow my soul to suffer in heaven. He was carrying the sin of the world upon himself to go to the cross by right, he should be in hell. His mind should have been completely destroyed by what sin he carried on our behalf. But he said, you will not allow my soul to suffer in hell. His conscience was clear. 
that he was doing the will of God. He had received the word of God and he was the word of God. So he came to the earth with that absolute assurance that God had said and therefore it will happen. It said he went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. He had a word. If you go to the cross on behalf of your people whom you created and die for them, I will give you back your throne. He said, sure, no problems. I'll do it. Not easy, but I'll do it. But the devil attacked. So he said, oh, but you know, you sinned 25 years. You, have, you sinned yesterday. Right? You did this. But you took communion this morning. Did you cleanse your conscience with the blood? That your conscience may no longer be defiled? That you can call upon the name of the Lord as a result? And he will answer you. And he will do great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Yes, you can. Because you went into the presence of the Lord. Prayer, Hebrews 4.16, gets you into the presence of the Lord. Repentance, like the woman with the alabaster box, gets you into the presence of the Lord. Sacrifice, obedience to His Word. Right? Obedience is better than sacrifice. So obey, and God will bless you as you come into His presence. I'm asking for more of His presence. I said... Lord, what was it that Apostle Paul understood of all his journeys? After going to heaven and writing those things, those books and all of those things, I said, what was it that he understood? One single thing that purposed this man to follow you and face great suffering. And Paul says in Philippians 3, he said that I might know him. You know what knowing is? It's the intimacy between a man and a woman in sexual intercourse. In a spiritual intercourse, it is becoming one with God. You are in his presence. You are in his presence. You're naked. You're completely devoid of yourself. Everything he knows about you, you know that he knows. There's nothing to hide. Everything is exposed. That's what he wants. If you're going to go into his presence, don't go there with baggage that is hidden. Because he'll soon pull it out. And he will say, this is not allowed inside the throne room. For outside, is the gnashing of teeth. Outside is darkness. Nothing pure, nothing holy can uh, be defiled and enter into the presence of the Lord. Moses said to God, he would not go unless God went before him. His presence must go before him. You see, the beauty about, <laughs> the beauty about knowing God is that others know that you know Do you get that? The beauty about knowing God is that you can declare that you know God as a Christian. And others know that you're a Christian, but today people are hiding because they don't want to be known as a Christian in case they get taken the wrong way, in case they get hung on a stake somewhere, or they get beaten up, or something else happens to them, or persecuted, or someone laughs at them, or anything. So they hide their Christianity. But the beauty of being a Christian is Knowing that you are a Christian and that God loves you and God is with you and He's covering you. You see, the enemies of Israel knew that God was with them. He says that in, in uh, Joshua 2 9 11, He says, You know, the enemies that they would, uh, the spies went out to Rahab and, and uh, Rahab the prostitute in Nineveh, in what was that place called? Um, Jericho. And there she was. And the fame of Israel had already gone before them. And what was the fame of Israel? That God was with them. So how, how did they hear about it? Because the enemies were getting defeated along the way. They used to come in big armies 
to fight against Israel and God would wipe them out. He said, no, these are my people. You don't touch them. You don't touch them. They are my people. I will be your God and you will be my people. So they knew the presence of the Lord was with them. His presence was in the tabernacle. He told Moses, build the tabernacle and I will be in the midst of you. Then the, the cloud of uh, pillar of cloud by day was the presence of the Lord. The pillar of fire by night was the presence of the Lord. It was obvious. Everybody could see the presence of the Lord. They didn't have to work out whether God was there or not. He was there. It was manifest. Manifest glory was there day after day after day after day after day. Morning, noon and night. Somehow, we have lost the presence. Because we have become intellectual. Because we have now tried to work the word out through our own. And that's why Paul wrote in, Philippine, in, in 1 Corinthians 2.13. He said, no, no, we're comparing spiritual things with spiritual only through the spirit of God. Don't bother with the flesh. It doesn't have any value. Absolutely no value. And we're so worried about dying. You know, we're so worried about dying, but we're spirit beings. Why are we so worried about dying? We're begging God to keep us alive. For what? God says, for what? What, what do you want to stay alive for? No, I, I still haven't gone to America and visited America. I still haven't done my 50 things on my bucket list. You know, I, 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 I want to see my kids grow old. And then you're cursing the kids morning, noon, and night because they're driving you bonkers. You know? <laughs> Come on. Get real. Why do you want to live? Right? You want to live because you want to declare the glory of the Lord. Amen. Amen. You want to show God as God to the world and the world will know and get saved. We must be hungry and thirsty. People who do little and think they're getting by are actually not. <laughs> Have you ever tried? Here's a test for you. Have you ever tried casting a demon out? If you have little, he will eat you for breakfast. He will eat you for breakfast. The sons of Skiva had nothing. They went to cast demons out. They were beaten. Stripped off their clothes and chased out naked. Why? Because they said, oh, we know uh, the, the God of uh, Apostle Paul is Jesus. We know Apostle Paul. They said, no, I know who they are. But I don't know who you are. You're standing there and you're fighting spiritual warfare with the devil and you're telling him, devil, you know, I bind you in the name of Jesus because whatsoever I bind on earth is bound in heaven and you're attacking him and you're doing all sorts of things. He says, okay, let's see how you handle this one then. Next thing you know, you're divorced. Your house is burned down. You have a car accident. Your husband comes home and slaps you. How do you like that now? You want to bind me? Well, I'm going to attack you. I tell the poor people in India, I go and preach in the slums a lot. And they all come and tell me tales of woe about their big sorrows. I say, how long have you been going to church? How long have you been Christians? Oh, years and years and years. I said, you know what? When you leave this meeting and you go home back to your hut, I said, the devil will be waiting for you with a 20-foot pole to whack you. No, I don't give them encouraging words. Don't worry, sister. It will all be alright when you go home. No, no, no. The devil's waiting for them. Why should I put myself in jeopardy with her telling her lies? Because the next Sunday she'll come back and say, you told me everything's okay, but my husband took a stick and beat me. I said, no, the devil's waiting for you with a stick. I said, the reason he's doing that is because you are not aware of the presence of the Lord in your life and you don't have the word to fight him. You don't have the armor to fight him. 
So week after week you come to this church and they feed you rubbish about your poverty and about your sadness and about your sorrow and you swallow it and you go back and get beaten throughout the week and come back on Sunday, next Sunday and then you again confess your problems. I say they get up to confess how badly off they are. I say shut up, I don't want to listen to it. Don't get up and confess how badly you are off. Get up and confess who you are in Christ Jesus and what power you have and what authority you have and what you can do in the name of the Lord. Because you have the presence of the Lord with you, in you, and working through you. The level, the knowledge of God is going from one level to another. It's an upward growth of presence and hunger for more. I don't believe that the presence of God is just for miracle signs and wonders. Let's finish up with Psalm 16. Psalm 16, verses 10 and 11. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. This is the psalmist speaking and talking about Jesus, who has come into a place where he knows that he's going to face the end of his natural life. And Jesus confesses that he will not be left in hell to suffer. And then he says this in verse 11, which is what we want to focus on. Thou wilt show me the path of life. Hmm. Thou wilt show me the path of life. You know, life has a path. What is the path? Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. He is the path. So the Psalms is saying, you will show me how to live and walk in Jesus. For he is the large place. You will make my feet like hinds feet and you will bring me into a large place. You know what a large place is? It's absolute peace. It's, it's so big that you will never see even one moment of blackness. You will never even see one moment of sorrow. You will never even see one moment of difficulty. You will not see death. You will not see anything. It's so huge. It's so massive that you can run and run for eternity in it and you will never reach the end. That is the large place. His name is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit has given us the hind feet, which is the deer's feet, to climb up the mountains and to find this large place. He says, you have shown me the path of life. So now you know how to appropriate the word. You know how to receive the Holy Spirit. You know how to in involve yourself in fellowship with God. You have received the path of life. The moment you have received the path of life and you begin to understand, hang on a second here, nobody has told me that all pleasure, all pleasure, sex cannot get it for you, drugs cannot get it for you, your husband by being nice to you cannot get it for you, no, 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 peace in your mind cannot get it for you. It is in the presence of the Lord. And he says, now you showed me how to come into your presence. I'm coming in there because there is fullness of joy. There are pleasures forevermore. And suddenly you begin to understand what spiritual pleasures are. And then the earthly pleasures don't matter. Nothing matters of the earth. Nothing matters of the world. You know it's just a passing phase. Because now, you say, hey, I get up in the morning, I'm going to be with God. 
I go to bed at night, I'm going to be with God. God never leaves you. He's always in you. You don't have to claim it. Okay? Stop trying to claim it. Because when you're claiming it, that means he's not there. You have to live it. You have to know it. You have to walk with it. So when you're walking down a dark alley in the night, you don't have to worry about the dark alley or the demons or the thieves or the bandits or what's waiting for you down that dark alley. No, you walk in the presence of the Lord. And then what happens? Like Peter's shadow, the diseases get healed. Just at the mere shadow of Peter. Because now, out of your belly is flowing rivers of living water. You go and stand at the pulpit, things begin to happen. Things begin to change. In the atmosphere, not necessarily in the manifestation of what happens on the earth, but that too. And we, we have seen, we have seen this over and over and over again. But what God wants us to know is that we must get into His presence through worship, through prayer, through going to Him for the solutions in life. Never looking to the left or to the right. Never depending upon your mind. Never depending on the things that people tell you. But depend on the Word of God and what the Word of God says to you. And then you will see the glory and the manifestation and the power of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that your word is true. It will never change. You will always be the same. And you will bless us because you want us to be blessed. I pray for each one of us that we will hear the word of the Lord and we will change. We will become like new creatures. We will not assume, but we will receive fresh manna from heaven, the fresh oil upon our heads. Even now, let it pour, be poured out upon us that there will be a renewing of our minds, a coming into the fullness of all that you have prepared for us in your presence. Even now, work a mighty work and set the captives free. Heal the brokenhearted. Set them free from the prisons. Preach the gospel of good news. Show them that it is good news that you are bringing. And help them to overcome the devil and, and the things of the world the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Release it now amongst us. Begin a new work amongst us, Lord. Change us from glory to glory. We are so hungry and thirsty for your presence, Lord. Come and manifest yourself and bless us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody needs prayer this morning, for whatever reason, healing, deliverance, you know, you need a breakthrough in your life. Something that you've been struggling with, you want to get rid of. Come. I want to pray for you. You know, you have to come into the presence. People wait to be cajoled into the presence, and it doesn't work. It's faith.